What's up, guys? This is the eighth episode of the CNM CrossFit Podcast. Uh, we teased last week that we were going to have Sam on. Like we said, he has a busy schedule. He is on standby for work right now. So luckily, we got the man, the myth, the legend, Dave Guerin here. And we are very excited. This is definitely, we've had a few people ask to have Dave on. Because I think we're all very curious about you, Dave. You are Sanium CrossFit's probably original media team. Uh, <laughs> all the Non-paid, videos. And, unpaid position yeah. here at uh, Sanium CrossFit. Sort of an internship. Uh, yeah. But, well, I, I t- take that back. I have been paid since I've been there. For all you members that don't know that, I have oh, been yeah. paid. This is the first box I've gone to where I've never had to bring in my own toilet paper. So it's always provided. <laughs> it's there for me every time. And, and I have an unlimited use as much as I ever want to use. So. Well, that's, you know, that's some of the nice things that we offer at the box here. It's, that's a good plug. You don't, you don't get that everywhere. Right, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if you want to use that terminology. Like they just like forgot to refill it? Uh, I don't know. I just showed up and nothing's there. But luckily, oh if I had my bike and I had a roll in there. And so I took the roll in and then... Next thing you know, I ended up with a four-pack I took in one time. So. And then you were just responsible from then on. Well, you're the toilet paper I, I guy. I off with a four-pack, but here I've never had to bring any. So this is not really the way we thought we'd start the podcast. This is great. This is great. But this is exactly how the podcast is probably going to go we're today with, with the style of Renegade. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Strap in. It's going to be fun. So um, let's start where we always start, from the beginning. When you were younger, growing up, what did fitness look like for you? Were you aware of fitness? Did you do anything to stay fit, or were you just kind of like, oh, I'm going to go play sports? Or Oh, no, I was a little short fat fucker when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was a, I grew up in New Mexico, and they used to call me the marrano, which means pig in Spanish, <laughs> oh, because I was just like a little oinker, you know, the little fat round guy. And uh, fitness was kind of like, you know, you just go out and you just go out and play. Yeah, yeah. you just run around. How long did you grow up in New Mexico? Uh, Let's see, I was born in Tacoma, Washington. Oh, okay. Uh, Dad met my mom in the Navy up there. They got married, banged out a couple of kids, and I was the third one. (laughs) And then uh, when Dad got all out, moved down to Las Vegas, New Mexico, where he was from. And uh, so I grew up there and lived there 17 years, basically, left there for my school. Oh, wow, okay. So you really, you grew up in in New Mexico. Okay. Oh, man. So you didn't... Did you play any sports or anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was a football jock. Okay, and, football. Um, what position? Uh, I was center in high school. Well, through junior high. Okay, now, let me clarify. Mm-hmm. For you young little boys and girls out there in the box, <laughs> in my days, it was not middle school. It was junior high. Oh, I was so, a junior high. Yeah. Oh, you were a junior yes. high, too. I oh, like that. Okay. I like that. <laughs> so uh, we have some junior high alumni in the room here. Welcome. <laughs> Super high exclusive high club. Oh, uh, we got tattoos I'm so jealous and everything. Right now. I wish I had junior high. Parsons Junior High. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, I was a football stud, and, and I played uh, center and nice. uh, defensive end. I was always on the strong side in high school. Mm-hmm. But in my younger years, I... I did, we did baseball. New Mexico didn't have a lot of sports back then. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. A poor environment down in there. And what city was it? Las Vegas, Las Mexico. Vegas, the original Mexico. Las Vegas, okay. by the way. Oh, really? The town that wouldn't gamble. Oh, Anybody wants to read a good book, there's a book by S. Omar. And uh, it's it's 
called Las Vegas, New Mexico. The and it predates gamble. It predates Las Vegas, Nevada. Nevada, yeah. Oh, they wow. tried to come there and create that kind of environment there way back in the dark ages. Yeah. And they ran them out of town. The few people who lived there wouldn't put up with it. So they oh. went to Las Vegas, Nevada, and yeah. Las Vegas, New Mexico, they fucked themselves. <laughs> you know? That's crazy. Right? Right? New Dang Mexico it. could right. have been the right. place to be. Right. Oh, my right. gosh. It's about, uh, it's in the northeast corner. It's about 60 miles from Santa Fe, 120 from Albuquerque. Okay. New Mexico, not really a travel destination that people put on their uh, list. No. I'm sure there's some beautiful country. Oh, it's awesome down there. We're going to roll had... down there on the bike this summer. Oh, you are? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, um, so anyway, I, I did uh, I, I did uh, the sports they had, uh, which you would think, being a a Latino Mexican environment, that they would have been doing soccer down there, but no. they did not. There was no really? soccer when I was growing up. Now there probably is. Yeah. But uh, we had the only choice we had was baseball as a kid, and was football. the summer sport, and then football. And that, that was it. Oh, man. Did you ever get any opportunities to actually uh, do any weightlifting? What what did your uh, physical education entail when you were in school? So in in junior high, I quit quit baseball. I gave it up because I was playing football then. I could start doing tackle in the seventh grade. And uh, and the coach uh, was involved with the high schools, and so we were able to use their weightlifting room. And back then, it was just a universal gym. Hmm. And, uh, you know, all eight stations hooked on one thing. You go around in circles. And I I loved the weight movement. I always did. I I never was a big kid. You know, I mean, I I never was. I'm 5'11". I weighed 185 when I graduated from high school. And I never was a big kid. But I loved the weight room. Uh, I did a tremendous amount of weightlifting in my younger years. But all of it totally wrong. Oh, just and I know that now. Was it just you, know? you choosing what you wanted to do, yeah, or was someone guiding basically you? Basically, choosing what you want to do, and you got some, you know, the high school coaches or junior high coaches. Then they they were probably sharing what hmm. they knew what worked for them, but there was no training, so to speak. So gotcha. The first time I ever met you or even knew about you was working out at the North Albany Racquet Club. Oh. I don't even know if you know this, but I started working out there when I started working in Albany. Yeah, I remember you. You'd wear your you'd wear your gloves, uh, your fingerless gloves. Oh yeah, and you always had the cut off the cut off tee. You, you walk around like you were the mayor of this place. <laughs> he was, and he would talk to absolutely everyone. Oh, I don't God. even think he remembers this. This me even knowing this stuff. He used to walk around. What's up, brother? And I just remember the way he used to do the handshakes. You know, like the the bro oh, the yeah. bro clap. And I'm like. I'm like this guy's older, but like he's like he's like he's got hit. more energy than I do. He's in it. He's in it. He hit the he hit the weights and he was and that was anyway that was oh, my yeah. first introduction to Dave and I don't he, that's the first time I'm sure I've ever shared that. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's no, funny. I was in that club a lot. Yeah, I live across the street from it, so you know I just oh, walk okay. across the street and work out. And, oh, that's perfect. And I actually joined that Albany Athletic Club way back when it first opened up. Mm-hmm. I mean, its first few days in business, I was a racquetball nut at, at oh. a certain point. Was this World War so II? I went in there, so <laughs> just about. You know. <laughs> just about. <laughs> just during World War II. Um, okay, so you graduated high school, mm-hmm. um, and 19, then 1975, by the way. 1975. You graduated in 1975. I wasn't even a thought yet. No, you weren't even. What's caught in your daddy's shorts? But. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then you moved from New Mexico to to Oregon. Oregon? Okay, yeah, and yeah. what brought you out here? So, well, no, no, I didn't move from there. So, um, right out of high school, I got out of high school early. I, I oh, ditched okay. out half a semester. Oh, nice. Graduated, but I oh, was able to ditch out perfect. because when I was in junior high, our uh, community was 
switched over to the middle school system. And so what happened is when I came into high school as a freshman, we were the first freshman in high school because junior high went seven, eight, ninth. So we were the first freshman to come in. But what the school board wasn't smart enough to realize was that now we have four years to get the amount of credits needed that everybody else does in three years. Yeah, and you already had and a bunch they, of those. Well, I come in, they didn't know this yet. They couldn't figure it out. <laughs> so at the end of our, my freshman year, they find out that all these freshmen are gonna graduate at the end of their junior year. We screwed up. <laughs> so they add credits on. Yeah. Well, they couldn't force it on to the freshmen because of bunch of my buddies and whatnot they just flunked out that year because they knew they had a year to coast yeah well yeah. now they couldn't make them up so it was like okay we're gonna have to let these low lives just push them through when the time that's comes. a solid school system yeah. right there <laughs> so my uh my senior year uh, i had all the credits to graduate my junior year but i didn't because i wanted to play my senior year of football because mm-hmm. i yeah. from freshman year on i started on varsity on center and defensive end and I was a place kicker as well, so I never came off the field. So I didn't want to give oh, up my senior year. You know, I had oh yeah, that's the year. I had aspirations of college. You know, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't want to give that up. So uh, anyway, so to be eligible, I had to take three classes a day for half the year for the semester to be eligible okay. to play football. Yeah. So I took PE for first, PE for second, PE for third, and I never went. <laughs> and of course, football coach, PE coach, so I just aced every class, and I'd show up at school at 2.40 every day for practice, and then it's when football a... was over, I was yeah. done, oh and I went my to my plumber job. You know? This is the original story of all Division One football players <laughs> currently. Yeah. It's like, what can I do? The right. bare, Not all of them. I'm right. not making a blanket statement here, but let's be honest. Right. <laughs> a, lot of the, a lot of them it's aren't there for the strong. academics. Yeah. And I, I gotta say, I got the invitation at the end of that semester from the National Honor Society in school to be a member of the National Honor Society because I was a 4.0 student now. Had That's all amazing. Age, all age. Yeah. So I didn't. I gave him the finger. <laughs> they would invite me before that. So Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so gosh. So anyway, so I got done with school and it was uh, uh, April. Uh, I, I was working for a plumber and uh, I knew I wasn't going to be a, a plumber for the rest of my life. Yeah. So, and my father was a barber. I grew up in a barber shop. Okay. I tell, I'll tell you that whole story. Yeah. But, uh, so I got in my uh, 1974 Volkswagen Bug and drove Route 66 for 17 hours straight and ended up in Long Beach, California. Did you sing that song? Did you sing that song all the way? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my kicks. Yes. Get your kicks on Route 66. <laughs> Had many kicks all the way. <laughs> I bet. Anyway, so... That would go into yeah, a different part of the podcast. So I was 17 years old, and I and I left and went out to Long Beach. So, yeah. And how long were you in Long Beach? Oh, let's see. I went to barber school there. And uh, barber school, you had to go till 1,600 hours. But I managed to skate 600 hours out of there and got out of 1,000. Beat the system as well. Like high school. Man, you are just so, all about it. There is there is something behind a lot of this. So my dad was a barber, okay? So I mm-hmm. grew up in the barber shop. So I'm out there, and I've got, I've almost got a thousand hours, and I'm calling my dad, and I said, "Man, I'm just bored, you know." Yeah. Put me up the front chair. I'm doing. Everybody walks in the door. I'm teaching new kids to come in. <laughs> I says, "Cause they're not gonna teach me anymore, cause they said I already know it all." So mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, they're just gonna take fifty dollars a month for me for, until I get six hundred more hours. I says, "This is bullshit." <laughs> and my dad says, "He says, well, you know what?" He says, 
get Roy, because my dad went to that same barber oh, school. Oh, yeah, perfect. Okay, right out of the Navy. Dad went to that barber school, too. I know a guy's. And, yeah. and I knew the same instructor. He knew the guy, right? Perfect. I knew the guy. <laughs> I knew he the says, guy. Have Roy, because no computers back then, no printers, no this stuff. Have Roy write out on the school letterhead that you have completed a 1,000 hours of schooling. Oh. The state of New Mexico required a 1,000 hours of schooling to take the barber exam. So Roy wrote that out. I got my Volkswagen Bud, drove 17 hours back to New Mexico, went into the state board in Santa Fe, handed them my paper from Roy. They phone called him to verify it. They let me take the test. I took the test and passed it. I Sir, got... you're 12. I don't think you can pass this. No, it's legit. This is absolutely no, legit. I made this. I was 17. This is my nicest crayons. So then, I, so then I got my Bud. 17 hours later, I'm in downtown L.A. I go no to the state way. board there and show them my out-of-state license that I got from New Mexico, which they had reciprocity. So it allowed me to take oh, their perfect. exam because I had an out-of-state license. So I took their exam. I passed it. Kicked 600 hours of schooling out of the way. And now I'm licensed to two states. I'm behind the chair. Get, open up your money. own shop. Show me the money. Yeah. Oh, that's Show perfect. So did you did you open up your own shop in so no California? so I met I met Rhonda in barber school. Oh okay. Rhonda's a California girl, so I met her in barber school, and uh, we got married. I was uh, we got married two months after I turned eighteen, and uh, she was nineteen. And she thought I was 19 because I lied about my age because that was on my driver's license. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is there any documentation? There's, some, the stat- Karen? <laughs> There's some statute of limitations that are, like, completely gone. Well, that got fixed when I got here, but that, that was a whole other story. Remember the movie but, the movie Catch Me If You Can yes, with DiCaprio? I feel, like I feel like I'm involved in a movie right now. <laughs> Where's the real Dave Garen? And, <laughs> and what's your real name? I don't know. Let's just keep going. It's great. So... so so what happened is I met Rhonda, and she was having a problem with her 17-year-old boyfriend, and they were breaking up. Mm. And we weren't boyfriend and girlfriend, I just knew her in school. And so uh, she's saying that she's never going to go out with anybody again that's younger than her. She's 19. And, uh, and she says, well, how old are you? I says, I'm 19. She says, you are? She says, yeah. And I said, look, here. And I pull out my driver's license and show her. <laughs> it had the birthday of June 6, 1955. I'm born September 4, 1957. So, <laughs> so, so it shows that I'm 19. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. So we decided uh, we're standing in line to watch the movie Jaws mm. when it first came out, right? Wow. And we're standing in line, and she had just taken her state board, and she was afraid that she failed it. And she didn't know what she was going to do because she couldn't oh. go back to take it again. She couldn't take the pressure of going back and doing it again. Oh, gotcha. So I said, uh, well, why don't you just come to New Mexico? We're standing in line talking about this. Why don't you just come back to Las Vegas with me? Because I'm going to go back there and work in my old man's shop. You come back there and work in my old man's shop. We can rent an apartment together, split the rent. You know, you can take the board there and pass it. And, you know, yeah. and when you make some money, you want to come back here, you can go back. Yeah. You know? And she says, well, I don't know if we're going to do that. Why don't we just get married? And I'm like, oh, shit, I don't know. I didn't think about that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I think... I think we'll get a tax break, won't we, if we get married? <laughs> this was a business agreement that <laughs> right. turned into a marriage. Right. Is that right? And she says, well, I don't know if we will or not. 
So now we go in and watch Jaws, okay, and there's all this sharks getting eaten and all this, and we're sitting there trying to plan a wedding and figure out how are we going to tell her mom and dad that, you know, in a few months we want to get married because we're going back to the next. So you guys went from not dating to getting married? Well, we, we dated a couple oh, okay. times. All right, you know, a couple days. But that was it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's so, amazing. Amazing. So anyway, so uh, um, right before we got married, I said, there's something I need to tell you. Mm-hmm. She goes, what? I said, I'm 17 years old. Oh, man. What? I said, I'm 17. But your license says 19. Yeah, but it's wrong. <laughs> That's a fake says, license. Why is it wrong? I said, well, because when I was 13 and my brother was 14, my dad had a bunch of, owns a bunch of rental property, and my brother and I were having to maintain them all. So every time somebody had a problem, a doctor's office had a leak, Dad would have to leave the barbershop, go home, get the truck with all the tools, drive my brother and I down there to fix it. Then we'd call him on their phone to come pick us up, and he'd have to leave the barbershop. And when I was thir- summer I was 13, Joe was 14, he says, it's bullshit. You guys know how to drive. Yeah. So he went You've been to- driving since you were six. <laughs> right, you guys right. can do and this. And you were 20. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to the DMV, and, of course, Dad cut everybody's hair in town. And the, the DMV ran it, and he had a secretary, and that was it. So he went in there, gave the guy 20 bucks, and said, the boys need a driver's license. The guy said, okay, here, take the test. So he gives us the test. Oh, my God. This okay. is every time. This is and amazing. I remember the test was one of these long, narrow sheets of paper, and it had a question, and it had A, B, C answers. Mm-hmm. So he gives us the test, and he gets us pencils. He says, do it in pencil, so if you get them wrong, I can correct them. So we sit down and I start reading through it, through it. and you know the the old the old saying I learned in high school when in doubt choose C. So if yeah. I know yes, yeah, right? I like right? So I go along. We take him up to him. He raises a bunch of stuff. We pass the test. What 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 a, what a shock, right? <laughs> oh my God! So, so then we go out to do the driving test, and we're in my dad's old blazer. Well, it was new at the time. It's old now. Yeah. We're in his blazer, and my and my brother gets behind the wheel. I'm in the back seat. The guy's sitting in the passenger seat, and he says. Okay, start it and back it up. So Joe starts it, backs it up. So he goes, now pull it back up and park it. So he pulls it back up and parks it. So he looks, back, he looks back at me and says, can you do this? I said, yeah. He says, okay, let's go take a picture. <laughs> oh, my God. This is amazing. If I, could, if I would have had a driver's license at 13, I would have been so popular. <laughs> this is why rules exist in our world now. It's this generation that it screwed us. Absolutely. I always say that, especially in, in police work, is that the generation before me, they screwed everything up so bad. Because they and, had so much fun. And they had everything. so much freedom. And that's why we have so many policies now. Yeah, it's because true. their generation so had all the jealous. fun. I liked it better without the policies. Yeah. I mean, you know, oh my gosh. Policies, I love the idea of slipping the DMV at 20 and being like, hey, I need to get my boy some licenses. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that's fine. This is like kind of some mob stuff, you know, like <laughs> the New Mexico mob. Who ever knew? That's and never knew. That day was June sixth. That's why my birthday said oh, June sixth. Oh, okay. And then so it, anyway, it, you tell you yeah. tell Rhonda. Yeah. So I told Rhonda. So she freaks out at first. She just freaks out. Yeah. No, I can't. I can't marry your sorry ass. You know. Yeah. You, you lied to me. Right. I said yeah, but I had to because you weren't didn't want to even right. you know sit down with me. So you know. So she got over that and then decided that, you know, I'm fine. Because you were just a young stallion. And she's like. (laughs) So so we got married and went back to New Mexico. And and, um, we were working in my dad's shop for about four months. And my dad didn't like the way that I was doing business. 
because I was oh. like, oh, no, we want people have got to make an appointment, and he's an appointment. No man's going to make an appointment. He wants a haircut when he wants a haircut. He doesn't know it in a month from now if he wants a haircut. Yeah. I said, Dad, I'm going by appointment. That's what we're doing. And then it started working. I'm getting appointments, and mm-hmm. guy comes in. I tell Dad, no, no, you can't cut his hair. He's my appointment, you know. So my dad tells Rhonda and I, he says, you know what? You two need to get the hell out of here. He Uh-oh. says, you are, I'm going to tell you about business and the hair business. You will never make any money if you're working in somebody else's shop. Oh, man. He says, you get out, open your own shop. Yeah. So we did. Nice. And, and uh, where'd you open up your shop at? Las Vegas, New Mexico, okay. just down the street from my dad. Yeah. <laughs> I was 18 years old. And how was the dynamic between you and your father being competitors now? Oh, we weren't. We, we weren't. That Dad never. Dad cut hair is kind of like. That was his office, because he did real estate. He sold insurance. He has hand in a lot of oh, things. Oh yeah, he developed land. He yeah. opened banks. Well, apparently you could get a yeah. license in just about anything. Yeah. You could just. Yeah. I, I mean, open a casino. You know, I'm an attorney now. Right. Uh, I'm practicing law. Right. It really uh, is catch me if you can. Uh, I'm a pilot, and yeah, I'm, I'm a pilot. also a medical doctor. And I'm going to forge some documents that <laughs> yeah. show that I have all these credits. And this yeah. is definitely my legitimate paycheck for one million dollars. Right. So. Right. <laughs> so 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 we we had the shop. We ran it for. Shannon and Don were both born in Las Vegas, New Mexico, and uh, we were there for a few years, and we went out to Southern Cal. We left it because Rhonda, she was not happy living in Las Vegas, New Mexico. She wasn't comfortable. Um, Is she, that where she, she was from Southern California? She was Orange County. That's right. Uh, okay. Fullerton. And uh, she was the California blonde back there. Well, you know, that, when I was growing up and where I was there, this racial tension was huge, you know, a bit, a bit. Yeah. Whites didn't like Hispanics. Hispanics didn't like Mexican, two different people. Mm. And and nobody liked the Indians, and the Indians didn't like anybody. Yeah. And all this crap. And I grew up in that shit. Yeah. And uh, and, and, and I'm, a, I'm a coyote. I'm a, you know, I'm a mixed breed. Mom's half American, half German. Dad's got Spanish, Indian, um, uh, Mexican in him. Uh, oh, wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, there was yeah. so much screwing around in his family. I mean, there's everything was in that thing. <laughs> You know, so I was a coyote, so, you know, I didn't... Uh, just uh, jungle yeah. juice. This, this jungle juice. That's right. probably what his Ancestry.com right. DNA came back with. Jungle juice. Throw it all in there see what happens. So we went out and lived in uh, Southern Cal in Brea, California for uh, about probably a year and a half. And I opened up a, we opened a shop in uh, Huntington Harbor, Harbor Mall. I've been self-employed my whole life. Opened a shop in Harbor Mall. And we had that uh, for a short time, and then we decided that really we did want to go back to New Mexico. Dad was working on this big real estate deal uh, to develop it and wanted my help and wanted me to come back and help him with it. So, oh, okay. So we did, and uh, that whole thing fell through. We never ended up doing that. Oh. But went back, and, and, uh, and then Dad wanted to step out from behind the chair, and so we remodeled his shop, and I took it over. Did you keep doing appointments? Mm-hmm. <laughs> did he have an issue with that? We did a point. He didn't have a problem. <laughs> He's making yeah. money, right? <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. Money. yeah, money seems to smooth things over. Um, okay, so then you opened up your shop in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And then how long did you have that shop? Uh, once we went back and, and, and took over Dad's shop, we only had it for about... Oh, gosh, let me think. I think we only had it for a few years. We we opened a men's clothing store also with it. Oh, you did? Yeah. So kind of like, yeah. There was a small university Man, there. You called, were ahead of your time with some of this a, stuff. There was a small university there called New Mexico Highlands University. 
And this was back when Saturday Night Fever came out, the movie. Remember oh, that? Oh, John, yes. John Tobias yeah, and the Angel Flight Suit. Man, I had that Angel Flight Suit. Three piece <laughs> oh, I bet you did. Where is it? It's made, oh, by, it's made by Angel Flight. Don't have it anymore. Oh, you don't I, get rid I of that treasure. That's a national did you ride right a motorcycle while you were wearing that suit? Not, not with that suit, no. Because no. no. <laughs> it, it, nice. it was white, you know. It was white. So, anyway, so uh, uh, we had that shop going on and in the clothing store. And then we took a trip up here... Um, to Oregon because I have family in the Northwest because mom was from here. So we took a road trip. And on the road trip, uh, we uh, we decided we want to live up here. Oh, really? Yeah. What drew you? I didn't... Uh, it oof, it wasn't hot. 78. Yeah. 78. Oh, okay. Because we moved here in 79. Okay. So I think it was late 78. took us almost a year to sell out the businesses, the house. Yeah, liquidate everything. Because we bought a house at I was 19. We bought our first house. So And did you move straight out. to Albany? Or no? We did. Our, our goal was to move to Corvallis. Okay, yeah. And when we got here, we got here in October, not realizing that Corvallis was OSU. Oh, really? College so, town. Couldn't find an apartment. Why did you choose? I guess what, what made you want to make the move? From New Mexico? Yeah. I didn't want to raise my girls down there. Okay. Okay. They Fair were, they were toe-headed blondes, mm-hmm. uh, and the, I thank you. I grew up. Uh, I should thank you because you gave me a break. <laughs> <laughs> my boy, yeah. right, little yeah. rye whiskey always yeah. feels good. Anyway, so uh, can you hear? <laughs> so um, anyway, I, I grew up on the street, you know, and, and it was it was pretty rough because I was a coyote, and I, I had. Spanish friends, Indian friends, white friends, and we all backed each other up. But you know, I was a, I was a fighter, and, and uh, you had to survive. And you know, I mean, yeah. six years old, I was beating kids up on the street to take over their paper route, and I won. <laughs> That's how I made money. Oh yeah, six years old, I ran yeah. I ran the newspapers in all the downtown Las Vegas, New Mexico. That's this is cool. shocking. This now. is how Goodfellas <laughs> started. This is, this is <laughs> no, listen, listen. Okay, so. To get a paper, to read the news back then, it was called the Las Vegas Optic, and it came out in the afternoon at 3 in the afternoon. So, and the, they weren't delivering papers. You bought the paper from the guy on the corner, right? So I'd get out of school, you know, and I was first grade, second grade, get out of school, go down there, and the paper cost, uh, it cost five cents. No, six cents. Six cents is what it cost, six pennies, and we sold it for a dime. So I go down there and I get about 10, 15 papers and I go out and I'd sell them. And then I had a little profit so the next day I could get some more papers so I could build a paper inventory yeah, to sell more. more and more and more. Then I realized this isn't happening fast enough. <laughs> and there was, there was four corners in town. Okay, and I had one. Oh my God. And these three other guys had the other three. And what so, else were you selling? No, <laughs> just a paper. Just a paper back then. Just a paper back then. A little green bag. <laughs> so I, I went up to these, all these guys, and I strongholded them and told them I'm, they're going to work for me. And uh, they wouldn't, they, at, they, at first they weren't going to do it. And then I had to beat up, uh, I had to beat up Floyd Chavez. His name was Floyd Chavez. I had to oh, beat Floyd. him up, and the other guy saw me beat him up and realized that I'm serious. Yeah. So. Now, I split the four cents profit. They got two cents, I got two cents. And so I sold oh. all the papers downtown. I got all four cents. You beat them up and then included him in, in your, well, into get, your they, plan. Because they're working for me. Yeah. Nice. So they get You're the 50% pimp of the profit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pimping the paper. <laughs> <laughs> and I got 50% amazing. of the profit. And I was amazing. making good money back then. I was making like a dollar, dollar eighty a day. Yeah. Yeah. Buying all sorts that of That was big money back then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
So this all brought you to Corvallis, how? Well, <laughs> oh yeah, that's oh, right. That oh, so, so anyway, uh, so growing up down there, you know, I was uh, on the streets a lot. There was nothing for kids to do, so sure. you're out on the streets and you're in trouble all the time. And you didn't want and your girls high school. That you're, you're in a car, you're cruising the gut. Yeah. And uh, I was a football jock, so all the guys loaded up my '66 Chevy, and we'd cruise around, and we always had beer because. I was working. Dad had a liquor store, and I was working the drive-up window. Of course he window. did. <laughs> no, what? At, at, at 14 years old, I'm working the drive-up window, and all my buddies knew, and the ones that could drive, yeah. they knew to come to the drive. I'd say, "When are you going to get the drive-up?" And I'd yeah. tell them. And a, a case of Coors uh, uh, beer back then cost five dollars and twenty-five cents. So I would let them come when I was on shift. And Dad let me sell it out the, the window as long as the liquor commission wasn't coming around. And he knew the liquor guys, so he knew when they'd come oh, around. Oh, perfect. And they'd have to give me two bucks more. It was $7.25 to them. So okay. I made two bucks off every case selling it out the, out the window. Oh. And I was 14 years old, and I had a pretty good ring going there. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like. Did you still have the paper business at this point? No, I was like at a paper business. No, I was on a bigger and better thing. But, so. At this point, he was 38. Yeah, right. so, so I ran the drive-up window until I got out of high school. Made a lot of money. Oh, well, that's amazing. Anyway, so uh, um, so you so didn't want your girls. Guts, okay. Because there was nothing to do. And, and yeah. you know, I know how the girls were treated. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want my girls doing this. I'm not, not going to. Put, make them subject to this. That's no a way. good reason. Did no you way. know anyone up here, or did you just kind of like this? Not is a nice when we area. moved here. No, no. Okay. We just got here and no, we got really. here in October. Why did you point to this particular spot on a map? Well, okay. So we went back and told my mom and dad we were going to move up here, and my brother, sister, everybody, we're going to move up here. But my dad has always wanted to move back to the northwest. Always did. Okay. So uh, when I started telling them that, my dad. So, and mom started talking. They said, you know, we're going to go. We're going to move. Nice. I told dad, you're going to move? He owned half the town. Yeah. I mean, he, he knew everybody. Floyd Chavez is now going to take <laughs> back over that block. <laughs> like, Floyd Chavez is salivating. Like, oh, Let's look up Floyd Chavez. Can we get him on episode nine? <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God. Okay. So they decided they were going to move. And then my sister uh, and brother-in-law, they were in business with my mom and my dad sister and mom were running an appraisal business that dad got him into brother and was doing insurance that my dad got him into and they had the insurance oh business my gosh. up and down your dad's running so, a rack so, <laughs> so they all decided to leave so everybody got <laughs> so they put their business up for sale and they sold their stuff right away I had oh, yeah. mine to get rid of yet and they left and so Rhonda and I were like wait a minute everybody left we were the ones who were going to go and we're still here <laughs> and where did they head to Corvallis they came to Corvallis okay so they came to the valley and settled in. No, no, they came to the valley and settled in Albany. Oh, they did. Okay. Okay. So once we sold the the businesses, uh, the house sold right away. As soon as I mentioned it to uh, the guy who owned the pharmacy in town, I told him I was going to sell the house, and he had been there drinking a lot of my house. So we played softball together and always drank. So he was there. He said, "I want to buy it." So we no, sold the house in a second. Yeah. And then we moved up here, and we were going to go to Corvallis, mm-hmm. uh, but it was we couldn't find an apartment. School was it. So mom and dad had found, they were living in a condo here, the, the Judson Parkway condominiums. You know where those are on 34th Street? Judson Parkway? 34 and Jackson? Yeah. 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 So they were living in there. They 3290 the Jackson Street. There you go. He knows that. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't there when you got called. <laughs> Maybe I was because I yeah. get gunshot. It just wasn't that. Dave Gary. It was some yeah. other name. <laughs> Floyd Chavez. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> Floyd was shooting at me. <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, so there was a condo available in there, so we rented that and moved in there. And, and gotcha. We lived there. And then how long before you opened up a shop? Uh, a month. A I, month. I went okay. to work. I decided, okay, I'm not going to do my own shop anymore. I'm just going to work for somebody. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a, a barber in town back then had Ace's Barbershop. His name was Garner Poole. Garner, Garner passed away about eight years ago, maybe. Okay. Yeah, like 95, 96 years old. He oh, was wow. a wonderful man. We had a great friendship, great really? relationship. So he hired me, and I worked with him for two days. Two days, that was it. <laughs> that was a long time. At the end of the second day, he was getting ready to go elk hunt, and he said, okay, so I need you to run the shop while I'm gone. You need to open it this time. You need to close it this time. You need to do this. And I said, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute, Garner. <laughs> I came to work I, for I, you. I said, I want to thank you for bringing me in right away as soon as you walk, I walked in, you know, me from Adam, but I am too used to being self-employed. I've never had anybody tell me I have to do something. I, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm yeah. going to go for my own shop. He said, by God, you should. Go do it. I'll just close it while I'm on. So Rhonda and I found a little spot on Pacific, and we rented it and, and opened the shop. And that was November of 79. Pacific oh, wow. in Madison, that is where? No, no, no. We bought that building. Uh, that, where was that, your first shop? Uh, first shop was on Pacific Boulevard. I don't know if you guys, well, you weren't living here then. I don't know if you grew, you didn't grow up here either, right? Uh, okay, yeah. where the North Bermuda, Albany. Where the Bermuda Triangle is, uh, that's what I've always called, where Sandy Ann, Pacific, and Gary all come together. Yes. Bermuda yep. Triangle. Way back before they redid all that couplet, there used to be a burger joint on the corner by the pot store that's there, the big old pot yes. store. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Called Angie's Country Burgers was on the corner there, which is all that corner was taken away when they redid all that. So right next to this pot shop facing Pacific, there's two little buildings there. They're identical. I think right now they're, uh, they're, they're uh, smoke shops, pipe shops. Oh, yes. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we no, were in that pipe shop. High Tide. R- R- High Rush Tide, that's right. They just built those, the Trip Brothers. Mm-hmm. And we rented that from uh, the Trip Brothers and opened up in there. That was our first Oh, shop. Trip and Trip? Uh-huh. That was our first mm. location. Wow, look at that. So that was 79? 79. And how long, and you've just been cutting here ever since. Have you moved, how many times have you moved buildings? We moved from there over to a building they built um, on uh, Queen, almost on Queen and Gary, that blue colonial style center across from the medical complex that faces uh, um, Queen Street. You know the, the, oh. the medical on the corner of Queen and Gary? Yes, yes, okay. yeah, yeah, the Across clinic on right the there. Queenside, there's oh. a blue colonial style center. Yeah. Right behind us is that little, uh, what, what's that junk store sell? It used to be Prairie Market back in the day. Um, yeah. It's, Wheeler Dealer or something like that? It's It was Mega, yes. mega Lots or something, right? Mega. It's Wheeler Dealer now. Wheeler Dealer. Okay. Wheeler Dealer. So right next to that, that blue colonial style center, and, and Tripp's built us a, yes. the first building there. We were yeah, there that's actually right where by Kayla works. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we were there in there, <laughs> and then uh, we we put in a, a retail store with it, hair product stuff. Oh, okay. And then we expanded from there into the mall and opened a hair shop and a retail store in the mall also. So we had the two going. <laughs> and then we opened one up down in Roseburg at the Garden Valley Mall, and that was location number three. And then I was traveling a lot. I, I got involved in the hair show industry and the hair show world in 1984. Let's talk about this because yeah, this is one this. of my favorite right. <laughs> favorite things to talk about. Because yes. there's some people who who do the old style cutting of hair, kind of old school, probably what your your dad had envisioned mm-hmm. for his life. And then right. there's you, mm-hmm. who's never been a rule follower, international hair star, Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> yeah. 
style renegade. How did the style renegade? How did this? How did this whole national barber mogul international. international barber mogul like start? Well, okay. So in 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 1984, a distributor came to me that uh, we ended up becoming very very good friends with. Uh, his name was Bob Clark. Owned a beauty supply company in Eugene called Eugene Beauty Supply. He sold the Redken hair product line. Redken was coming out in 1984 with a brand new men's product line called the Czar line, C-Z-A-R. And they were looking for people to sell it for them from platform. So to do that, you become a platform artist because at, and this, these are at trade shows. So our industry has trade shows like every industry. Right. Okay. What, can you explain what, what's a platform? Platform artist means I'm at a trade show. We've got a stage. I've got lights. I've got a sound oh. system. So you're doing a live haircuts. And I'm up there cutting your guys' hair in front of an audience, rocking and rolling. Music's blasting. It's high energy. <laughs> are you, and, like, explaining what you're doing, or are you then, just kind of... Well, as time went on and I got better... Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, my shows became very high energy rock and roll. <laughs> no way. So you'd come up there and you would have hair down on your shoulders. And by the time ACDC song Hell's Bell was over, you had no hair on your head. Or if you did, it was a totally different look and it was completely done. I kicked your ass off the stage. And the audience <laughs> went, that is the best crazy. part. You could just be <laughs> awful, but if it was entertaining, you'd be like, hey, good, good. I'll fix it later. See you, see yeah, you in the back here in a little bit. Free haircut later. Yeah. Look how cool that looks. <laughs> and then after like, I would open like that, then I would have a model there and I would redo that haircut on this other model and I would explain it step by step to teach the audience, oh, which usually was hairdressers wanting to be barbers, because they don't want a barber. Mm-hmm. So then I would teach them everything I'm doing with the tools I'm using, and I represented companies that sold the tools that we use. And Redken was... And they wanted to buy them, and, and use the Redken product line. So yeah. they sold tools, and they sold product. So then people would want to buy them. Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha. And so... And when did you start doing this? 1984. 84. And I worked for Redken for four years, and then I got stolen from them by a company called Scruples. No, excuse me. Got stolen from them by a clipper company called Wall Clipper Corporation because I yeah. always used barber clippers a lot on stage. Back then, in that time frame, nobody that was a platform artist that did shows would pick up a clipper. They were terrified oh, to do that scissors. in front of an audience. Just scissors or razor. Because that was, why, why was that such a big thing? They didn't know how to use it. Because most platform artists are hairdressers, and hairdressers don't didn't know how to use clippers then. Okay. So they wouldn't, and if they did a guy, it was always like a longer haircut. They wouldn't take a clipper to it. So explain the difference between a hairstylist and a barber. It's it's the training, it's the background. So okay. there are barber schools and there's beauty schools. Okay. So basically, a barber learns cut hair completely different. So the finished look is in the cut, and we also can shave to the skin with a straight razor with no guard. Okay. Hairdressers learn how to do hair and then finish it with product, appliances, curling irons, flat irons, all this kind of perms, color, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And they could not take a straight razor to the skin without a guard. So they couldn't do a straight razor shave, shave around the ears. But they can use clippers. They could use clippers. Okay. Okay. But they didn't because they didn't learn with them, so they were afraid of them. Sure. So that, and that was always my forte. I, I had, I, was a hairdresser and a barber, and oh, okay, because I got my hairdresser's license here in Oregon. Because when I moved here, I 
found a way to get licenses, hairdresser as well. That's a whole other story. And I Was got that under a different name? I or? got licenses in Oregon. So, how, how old were you? I was uh, 19. What's your ID say right now? Are you 29 years old on your ID? Whatever. <laughs> no. oh, so, uh, so anyway, my forte was always clippers. So yeah. I would take, I get women, you know, long hair like your guys' wife's hair mm-hmm. and take a pair of clippers to it and their hair would still be long but totally completely different and use nothing but a clipper and do it to wow. high energy and high energy rock and roll and all this. And yeah, you don't even see that freak. nowadays though. Freak. I don't know that my wife's ever had clippers taken to her hair. Probably she'd not. Freak they would, out, she'd freak. She'd yeah. freak. Absolutely. So the clipper companies came after me and stole me from the product line. So mm-hmm. I'm, there's three main clipper companies in our industry called Andis, Osher, and Wall. So Wall stole me for two years. Then Andis stole me for three years. And then Scruples, another hair product company, they wanted to get the barber thing going in their world. So they made me a bigger offer and stole me from them. Are these and contracts that are yeah, you signing? Yeah, I, oh, I, really? I'm a contractor, so it's an annual contract. You're okay. contracting. And this is just word of mouth, they're, or they're seeing you well, at trade shows. You. They, they see you, yeah. And yeah. they know, and are you doing negotiations with each one of these companies, like what you're worth and, in terms of like like how it's, much how much work you're going to do for them? It's it's kind of like, uh, how would you, it's kind of like an actor. It's kind of like a, it's like a playing field, okay? I'm not going to tell you what you're going to pay me. We're, we're, it's a game here, Okay. You tell me what you're going to give me, and I'm going to tell you if you're going to punt. Or <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what the other company wants I'm to give me. If you got a punt, or if you got a penalty, you know, or if you got a pony up, because I'm not going to tell you what I'm getting. That doesn't happen. Right. Okay. Right. So there, there goes let, all your let, leverage, let's find out yeah. if you're going to play ball or not. And right. So and that's how it would work. And what so, am I worth to you? Yep. Yeah, right. So yeah. it just kept going up and up and up. Nice. Um, okay. So you're doing that, and then you have risen to a fairly well-known level right like people yeah, know you right what well, i i got the, the oster corporation the, which is a main clipper company a friend of mine that we got to be friends when i was doing platform work for a hair product company called scruples he was a regional manager for them in the southeast part of the united states and i did a lot of shows for him mm-hmm. and i always did clippers well then dan left and i got out of the hair show world for gosh probably about eight or nine years the girls were kind of coming in the high school years, and I was missing everything they were doing. When they were little kids, mm-hmm. I didn't go to programs or oh, yeah. things. So yeah. I wasn't home. I was just working. The time. Yeah. It wasn't on the road. I was behind the chair at the shop. Yeah. So uh, I decided, okay, I got, I, I'm done. I got to stop. And then they're raised and all this, the girls. And, and Shannon is getting ready to get married, and I get a phone call from this buddy of mine that I haven't heard from in eight, nine years. And uh, so he starts talking. He says, you know who this is? I said, keep talking. Boy, sells from here. I said, Dan Parsons, Jesus Christ, you're still alive. I think you were drunk. You were drunk. drunk. You'd be dead by now. Floyd job. So he told me he got this job with Oster as their national sales manager about six months ago. And he inherited a team of platform artists. Oh, okay. They're a bunch of fucking knuckleheads. He says, they can't sell a goddamn thing. He said, so I need some help. I need some and I, so I told power. hey, I'm not looking for a job. He yeah. says, I know that. So one thing led to another, and uh, I ended up going to work for them as a contractor one year at a time. I said, let's just do one year. Mm-hmm. If it works for you, if it doesn't work for you, you can just tell me, Dave, this isn't working. No hard feelings, I leave. If it's not working for me, I say, Dan, this isn't working, I walk away. Yeah. So I stayed as a contractor with them for five years. Every year it was more and more and more money, and then... We had just come back from, I was doing international shows all over the world uh, with them and in the U.S. 
and we had just got done doing a show down in Argentina, a huge rock and roll show. It was awesome. Came in on a cruiser up on a stage in front of 10,000 people, motorcycle cracking through the audience. It was wild. Anyway, so, so I was doing so rails on the way up to the stage. Yeah, it was just cool. Yeah. Rolled that thing right up on the stage, you know. The TV cameras are on me, and the people are looking on it. Their oh, ACDC songs like blasting out there. I've got five hair models, long, uh, girls with long hair standing, and they're all dressed to the hilt on stage. Were you just twirling and, clippers and above your head? Pretty much, pretty much. And I went <laughs> up to them, and I just, I mean, I just completely fucked their hair up big time. Big time. I mean, they were so fucked up. <laughs> Worst haircut. But they didn't know. They thought, they thought, oh, they thought, oh, oh this is exotic. Yeah. Well, there's no mirrors there. They can't see it, you know. <laughs> no, just, I look good. I got them in these hot leather outfits and all this oh, shit, you know, and they, they're looking hot. And even with their hair fucked up, they're looking hot. Right? <laughs> and so they're striking the pose and all this. The crowd's going nuts and all yeah. this shit, you know. They went in the backstage and cried their eyes out afterwards. I didn't care. I got paid. <laughs> so... <laughs> It was a free haircut. What do you want? Hair grows back. It's a free haircut. What do you want? So anyway, we had just come back from that show, and he lives in Florida. And so I'm at his house, and we got to go up to uh, New York from right from there and do the big show in New York uh, called the IBS show. And uh, so I had two days off, and it's like, well, I wasn't going to fly all the way home for two days and go back over to New York. So I stayed at his house. So we're sitting out uh, in his backyard looking at the suns, wondering about our fourth bottle of wine. And... and before we had gone down there, a Panasonic, the Panasonic company, had approached me at a show in Chicago about three months before that, pulled me off the side of the stage and brought the president of the Panasonic U.S. market. He was Chinese and didn't speak a word of English and his interpreter oh. there. And they're bringing a barber clipper line to the U.S. and want me to run it for him. Oh. So I told the man, I said, um, I said, I, I will not entertain or talk to you about this at all while I'm being at a show paid for by the company I represent. Mm, nice. I says, I would not disrespect you that way, and I will not disrespect them. That's a good move. I says, here is my card. If you're serious about this, you contact me. Otherwise, I got an appointment uh, Monday morning <laughs> right, uh, right, right, at right. my shop. Yeah. Right. So then he went to bow, and I didn't bow. I put my hand up. Oh. And I told his interpreter, tell him he's on U.S. soil. We yes. Did you do your bro, did you do your bro shake, or did you do a regular? No, he, he gave me this little like wimpy shake, and I just did a bro shake. I was like, brother. And, and then he smiled. You know, his yellow teeth were all proud. He was like, oh, yeah, he gave me a bro shake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you never ended up working for Panasonic? So no, I well so, they never so we're down there. Me. So we're down there. So my buddy Dan says, So when were you gonna tell so Panasonic did reach out to me, they did make me a hell of an offer. Oh. And he said, So when were you gonna tell me about Panasonic? Mm. And I go, How the fuck do you know that? <laughs> and he says, Oh, so it's true. I said, you son of a bitch. <laughs> You're playing my game now, aren't you? <laughs> you son of a bitch. He says, yes, I know. So it is true. Yes, it is true. When were you going to tell me? I says, when I needed to. My contract comes due in a month. We don't talk about it until then. So I don't need to bring it up. Yeah. There's nothing. He said, well, I've talked with the finance people and the people up on top, and we're not going to let you get away. So we want to make you a permanent employee. All the benefits, the 401k, the medical, the whole nine yards. He says, and you'll be vested in the 401k immediately. And uh, are you ready to hear the salary? I said, yeah, tell me. So he tells me salary. I says, it's not enough. <laughs> you shit me. No, 
Okay, we'll make it higher. You give me the number. No, you give me the number. <laughs> so the next day, I went with him to the office, went in with the finance guy, Patrick, and they gave me the offer. I said, okay, this will work. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, hey, it's safe to say that the majority of your, yeah. your money was made right. on during these shows. Yeah. So I was companies with them for not 17 actually... years, I was with them. Oh, wow. Running that for them, yeah. Wow, 17 years. 17 years. We're going to move this along a little yeah, bit. I, know. Only, I, could, I, I only want one more. I only want one more story. Okay. Because I've heard this story once before, and it was absolutely amazing. There was a time when you were in, a, in another country, and you oh, got stopped yeah. by customs about some clippers or some oh, shit. some shears oh, shit. tell yeah. that story okay. i like that one. i mean are we gonna get killed because of this or uh, probably not oh uh, you well know, probably I mean, all right i'll take that they did throw trump out of office and i and i do everything in ukraine and russia so i didn't i, I never found the computer while i was in ukraine I looked <laughs> so give us a time frame so, when, uh... okay so I'm, I'm going into moscow again to do the show and oster bought a shear company uh, barber and haircutting shears. We didn't own a shear company. So they bought a shear company. So I'm going in there, and the president of the shear company comes to me and says, Dave, you're going to Moscow. He says, it is harder than hell to get our product through their customs. And he says, can you take in a sample case? To can you keister this? Yeah. Did you just keister it real quick? And I says, <laughs> what, sorry, what year was this? Or, I mean, give us maybe a, time, a window. Shit, yeah, I'm going to say 12 years ago, maybe. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I said, okay, why do you want me to take these in? I says, why don't, uh, when you go there for sales meeting, he said, no, no, I, I won't be able to get them through. They'll look at me. I won't get them through. You know? <laughs> and I said, okay. Well, and I'm thinking it's like four or five pair, right? So, okay, fine. So when I get ready to go, all of a sudden, here they come with this shear case, and it's got like, shit, 60, 70 pairs of haircutting shears in them, all brand new, okay? So these shears cost four to $500 a pair, so that's a shitload of money. Right now, okay? So I'm like, okay, so I stuff them in my bag, you know, and I get there. And so when I get off, they went through going there, through all the scanning, the screening without opening up, and I was like, okay, I'm, Good to go. I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Okay, and I had to change planes in Frankfurt, and you have to get your bags there, and I had to take everything through customs again, and I'm thinking, oh, shit. So, but it got through there. Okay, good. Um, you know, two steps into it now. <laughs> so I get to Russia. Great. I get my luggage, take it out. When you come into Moscow, when you land at the Dvitrimov airport, you got to go through two different customs. So I get my baggage. I come through the first customs things. They just do this quick little scan, and it's fine. I get it. And then I go to the other one. Are you sweating? No, no, because it's all you looking good. Because you already got through two, right? It's, like, all, oh, it's all looking good, you know. Great, it's yeah, looking good. Golden. I got, I got a, one of my black leather motorcycle jackets on with all the patches. I got right. the boots. Oh, look at this American. It's so cool. Sunglasses on all this shit. Are you right? in Sons of Anarchy? Yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't stand out. I look just like a Russian. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I go to the second security one. They run it through the scanner thing, and the guy opens up my case. He, 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 he tells me in Russian, and they take, take me over to these tables, right? And they open up my guitar case because all my tools are in the guitar case. Oh. You open it up. Is that part of the show? It's all wired. Uh, it's all yeah, part you of are like. Well, so all the clippers and stuff were in my bag. All the shears are in the guitar case because I thought that'd be safer, right? They open the guitar case and bring these things and they lay them out. Well, when they laid them all out that many, it was like, holy shit, contraband, <laughs> you know? Do you think all like the drug smugglers are like, oh like, like, wait, what? I'm in the that guy's got shears? It's like, <laughs> right. I didn't know you could smuggle other things. I didn't know you needed to smuggle <laughs> shears. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Mexico? 
I have not. Oh my god. Antonio Banderas, he's got guns in a in a guitar case. Oh yes. Okay. This is all I'm picturing right now. <laughs> so so they start asking me about these things, and I tell them I'm a, I'm a barber, and I'm here to visit friends, and these are presents I'm going to give to friends. They're, You've got a lot know, of friends. They're, and they're barbers, and they're presents, you know, gifts. Well, they're not understanding the freaking word I'm saying, yeah. okay? So finally, the gal, she's wearing a, a green outfit. She's got a hat on with badges on it. I guess she's important. I don't know. And so she, she speaks a little bit of English. And I finally get out of her. She's asking if I have somebody picking me up. And I said, yes, I do. I didn't know if I did. I had no idea if I did. Just banking on no, it. No, I had no idea because the distributor, the driver that usually picks me up when I go to Russia said that that driver wasn't able to get me. I might have to take a cab when I get there. Okay, so when you go through their security, these doors open up, and then you walk out, and all there's this kind of like fenced-off area and all the people are there waiting and they're holding signs or yelling for people and all this shit. I go walking out of there and I'm thinking, I'm just leaving. I'm just fucking leaving. Right. They could keep my shit. They can keep the shit. They can keep everything. I'm, I'm, I'm getting out. out of there. Right. I'm, I'm out, man. And I had my passport in my hand because she made the mistake of handing it back to me and I'm fucking out of there. Yeah. So I go I go walking out and I, I'm not, I don't know what the hell's going to happen and I'm thinking, oh, shit, I got money in my pocket, okay, and I did get rubles while I was in Frankfurt so I, I know I can oh, get a cab go. and I know, where, I know the whole I have my briefcase, but I know the name of the hotel. And so I go walking out, and there's a guy holding a sign with my name on it. Oh, perfect. And he goes, David, David, because he knows what I look like. So I thought, oh, thank He's God. like, look for the, look for the look biker for the guy. guy. <laughs> and I go, I go, you speak English? He said, yes, 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 I do. He says, my name's Alexander. I said, well, of course it is. It's Russia. Okay. So I said, where's your stop? I said, so I told him what's going on. And they said, I need to get the person that's... He's in on the he's in on the gig, right? No. Oh no. He has no idea. He's a driver. Pick me up. Okay. That's all he knows. Yeah, that's all he knows. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, he's part of this the smuggling crew. So he speaks English. So on the way in, I'm telling him, I'm bringing all these shears over to give to Verbena. That's the name of the ship. To get to Verbena, their samples. I told them they're they're gifts for friends of mine that I have here because I cut hair and I'm gonna be running around with friends visiting. So I wanted to bring them all a present. And uh, I don't know if they bought it. I don't even know if they know what I said. So mm-hmm. they want you. So we go in. He's like star-eyed, like, oh, shit. <laughs> so they start talking to him. He's talking to him. They're all talking Russian, all this, going back and forth. The girl, the gal in the green outfit, she's a little hot at first, and she calms down. Next thing I know, they're all laughing. They're all laughing like this. And I go, what the hell just happened? And he said, okay, rake them all in your case. Let's go, let's go, let's go. I go, what just happened? Just so I just go over there and I open the guitar case, put it up on the table, rake all these shears into the guitar case, which that's the worst thing you can do is just throw shears on top of shears. You can ruin them. Yeah. I just rake them in there and we go out, we go walking out. I said, what the fuck just happened? He says, <laughs> he's laughing. He says, they could not believe that you are a hairdresser because you're a biker and all male hairdressers are gay. <laughs> And so they started laughing because you're not gay. So they they had no choice but to believe what you said because you're not gay. <laughs> you're a hairdresser. Oh my god! So, Amazing. Oh my so god. shit. 
So I skated by that son of a bitch. Oh, that's, that's probably amazing. not the only story that oh, ends up with that same right, predicament. Right. This is eat. amazing. Uh, All right. Well, let, I guess probably we should circle it back to CrossFit a little yes, bit. Yes, yes, yes. CrossFit. That was amazing. Right. Although we could spend eight more hours talking about all your life stories. I'm still curious how many ideas you have. Um, all right. So you were here in Albany, living here. How did you get into CrossFit? Well, uh, Shannon and Don, my daughters, uh, they got into CrossFit. Uh, probably, I'm going to say, I, I'm not even sure. They, they could correct me. Maybe a year before I got into it. Okay. And I was, uh, like I said, I live across the street from Sam Fit. So I would walk over to Sam Fit about 4.30 every morning and do a workout and uh, just go in and do my own thing and go back. And so the kids got into it and they were doing it and their body was changing and mm-hmm. I could see that in them. They were getting stronger, they're, they're leaning out and, yeah. and they said, Dad, you need to come do this with us. As much as you work out, you, you, because what I was doing wasn't, nothing was changing. Right. Yes, yeah, so I was, I was getting stuff. some more muscles, but I was still fat and sassy, you know, I was losing fat weight. I wasn't leaning out, you know. <laughs> the muscle was getting crowded in there with the fat because, you know, I was still, you know, Twinkies were good and, and oh, all that man. junk food shit, you know. Oh, God. And, but I'd go work out and I was like, oh, but I work out, so shit, I can eat a half right. gallon ice cream. Who cares? Right. Right? <laughs> so uh, they talked me into it and so they bugged me and bugged me and bugged me. So finally I said, all right, fine, I'll come try this bullshit. You mm-hmm. know, it's yeah, just a workout. What's the big deal? So I went and tried it one day, and then I tried it the next day, and by the third day, I, I really liked it because I didn't have to think about what I was going to do. Yeah, you just walk in. And I just like... walk in. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I didn't have to walk in like I go into the gym and say, well, should I work on my legs? Say, no, nah, no, nah, my calf hurts. I'll work on my back. Okay, so I do something on my back, and I don't know what I'm doing on my back. I have right. no idea. You, know? <laughs> you never look at it. I know what Rhonda does on her back, but I don't know what I do on my back. But anyway, that's a good nice story. She's a saint. <laughs> she Knock it off. She is a, a saint. Woman. She is a wonderful woman. She's put up with me all for... I don't know. That, that's for 44 probably, years. That's a medal, medal of valor right there oh, for Rhonda. So, anyway... Anyway, so uh, I, I like that whole idea of it. Yeah. So I, I joined up. I, I joined up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, as I was doing it, I could see the change. Yeah. And, and that's pretty powerful. Uh, right. Once and, you start seeing things. Right. And then the people I'm working out with are all talking food and health and nutrition. <laughs> and we're sharing stuff. So I'm learning from mm-hmm. everybody. So uh, we, were at, uh, we were at this box for, for, I was probably there maybe two years maybe mm-hmm. and then uh, things changed in the box and Shannon, Don and I left mm-hmm. and Don's husband Ryan was at Sandingham CrossFit yeah. and so uh, one of the says, originals I an OG yeah uh, he's a Millsburg guy so he yeah. said oh you guys need to come with us and, and we said sure so we Perfect. went over there and, and uh, walked right in and said would you take us Oh, yeah. And Buddy said, well, I don't know, but we'll, we'll, we'll try you out. You look like you smuggle things in. We'll, take, we'll, we'll try you out. We'll take your daughters. <laughs> right. You're, we'll you're on you probation. Yeah. Let me see your ID. Yeah. So, so <laughs> now what I know, Floyd Chavez. <laughs> so we signed up, joined up, and uh, and and uh, it's it's been absolutely fantastic. I mean, the, yeah. the, the entire environment of – now, I've done – I've had the – privilege of being able to work out in a lot of boxes sure yeah because with my global travel I, I find a crossfit box where i'm working in that country now and i go i go work out in there uh, which is a great yeah I mean, yeah all the all the traveling all, i performed at every major city in the u.s and worked out in crossfit boxes in all these cities and i gotta say man uh, people that are in our box that have not had the opportunity to travel and work out in other 
boxes have no idea what we have. I, uh, I have no idea what we have in our box. Yeah, like, and I love when our members go travel and they go to other gyms and stuff and they really see like what it's like at other places and yeah. it gives them a little bit more of a barometer as to what they have here, which what I think is a pretty good, pretty dang good box. I, I, but yeah, it, it really is. I mean, our community is. It's, it's, you know, the coaching's okay. Yeah, but coaching the, the, you know, mediocre, <laughs> mediocre at best. Strong three and a half stars out of five. But what I've learned, what I've learned from the style renegade here today is that you can go up there and bullshit your way through <laughs> any kind of performance, <laughs> make them look like shit, but as long as people get entertained, it doesn't matter. Smoke and mirrors, it's great. Absolutely. And that's, that's a good, that's it. We talk about that in our coaches, in our coaches meetings is about, you don't have to be the most technical person at every single class, yeah. but you have to be engaging and you have to be somewhat of an entertainment factor. I think it's a good – yeah, you need to know a lot of the technical aspects, but you need to know when to apply it and when you need to be more engaging and entertaining for the members. Well, and, I, and, I think that is as, a big as, point. For you guys as coaches, like for me as a performer, you have to, you have to know your audience. We oh, are yeah. your audience. I yeah. am your audience when I'm in there. Yeah. Okay? And But you – can react to me a certain way, but you can't react to that person that same way. Absolutely. And you shouldn't react to me that way you react to that person. Yeah. Okay, you got to know these personalities. And, and I think in our box, I have seen where that is the case. Mm-hmm. I have seen, you know, I've had it happen. Guys have come up to me and just fucking kick my ass, trying to insult the shit out of me. You can't insult me. Right. It's not possible. <laughs> and then You're I shot to somebody else, a, a guy, I, I won't mention names, you don't go at them with that approach because you know it will affect them. Yeah, and you don't, and, and right. that, that's that. That in itself is an art. It, yeah, it, it is. It is an art. It really is, and a lot of so. time of day too. Right, people at five a.m. don't want to hear your long, you know, these long spiels. They just kind of want. Well, yeah. They want to know what they they're, need to they're do. Still waking, they're, right. They're waking some of them are still waking up. Yeah. There are times I come in there where I'm pretty quiet. Not often, yeah. but once yeah. in a while. <laughs> and a I'm still sight. waking up when I get in there. I mean, you see me halfway through a 35-minute wad and I'm yawning. It's like, it's not because <laughs> oh. I'm bored. It's because I'm still trying to wake up. <laughs> you know? It's the 19 gin and tonics the night before that kicked my ass. You know? So I've, I personally noticed a lot, of, a lot of changes in your body since you have started Cross. I've known you for, for several years now. Uh, talk about talk about your body transformation and your and well, your athleticism and things like that. Okay, so um, when I graduated from high school, I was five eleven, weighed one hundred and ninety pounds. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm <laughs> five ten and three quarters. Where the hell did that quarter <laughs> inch go? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so those knees are not <laughs> anywhere good. And I'm even trying to stand up straight. You know. <laughs> so five ten and three quarters, and I'm weighing in at two hundred two pounds. Mm-hmm. So. But, you know, and I, I do that in-body thing, you know, and, I, and I, I don't do it monthly, but about every six months I like to do it. I like to watch that's where a, I'm at. I, I like think that's a good, healthy my, interval. Well, I just like to see where my back content sure. is, where my muscle is and all that. And I see what, what the injuries I've had because I'm, I'm just a notch above a, a roadkill survivor half the time, you know. <laughs> so That's uh, true. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I've lost some muscle in certain parts of my body due mm-hmm. to that. But this last... Uh, Anybody I did, I saw where I'm gaining that back, getting some of that back slowly, yeah. but it's coming, and and then and that's coming because of you guys, because of the coaching that's going on in there. And well, it's and, coming back because of you. We're just there to help facilitate. Yeah, but you're, but no, but no, I give yourself the credit on that. Yes, I'm doing the work. I'm putting in the time and doing are. the work. But you got to give you guys the credit because I, I wouldn't know what the hell I'm doing. 
and I would have probably hurt myself even worse and screwed myself up worse. <laughs> we, so, we, you know. we appreciate that. And, no, no, but, and then again, at the, on the other token, is that we've been other we've been other places where they've tried to take a lot of credit for the the things that their athletes do, and we're like, no, we just put you just like a good coach. We put you in places to succeed, right? Mm-hmm. You want to put you in the best position to succeed in in all your workouts and things like that. So yeah, yeah. again, you guys, if you're the members out there, athletes out there, we want you guys to know that you guys are the ones that are putting the, the effort. And and drive. We're just trying to again. We're trying to motivate you. We're trying to, we're trying to drive you we're to be the sure. best that yeah. you can that you can do with whatever limitations that you might have, which could lead us to us our next thing is that yeah. Dave has has had several injuries, and I would say, and you can speak on this in a little bit. I would say that this time around with with your latest uh, shoulder injury, that you have rehabbed that a lot smarter, and you've come back a lot as a smarter athlete and knowing your limitations and, and kind of checking your ego probably and, the first time in your life. Yeah. And you've also seen a lot of progress. Yeah. I saw that, that last post. So what, what was the last workout you did? You separated your shoulder how long ago? It's going to be a year ago, middle of March. Okay. And they didn't, they didn't pop it back in or anything, right? They, I mean, they, they couldn't. Yeah. I was at, uh, we go to Kona every year. We're, we're, we're big Island fans and yeah. we're on and I've been going there for 25 years or so. Still waiting for my invite. And and uh, uh, and I work out. I'm ready to go. And so since I got into CrossFit, I hooked up with uh, CrossFit Kona over there, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like a second family for me in the CrossFit world over there. Yeah. And so um, last year we were in there, and my first day we got to Kona. We we're there for two weeks. My first day in there in the morning, we're working out, and the workout involves handstand walks. Oh, well, man. I was at the point where I was almost getting handstand push-ups two in oh, a row. Wow. Two in a row. I was doing one, but almost two in a row. And I God said, man. I've never been able to handstand walk. And uh, and Rachel, the coach, she says, I'm, we're going to work at getting you a handstand walk today. Mm-hmm. So she did these techniques, these modifications and whatnot. And I got I was first time I walked away from the wall. I got up on the wall. And I, and I, and I walked for... Uh, and I walked for uh, about five feet oh, before okay. I fell over. So, That's pretty good, five feet. Yeah, I, I was, holy shit, I was, yeah. I was standing up, strutting my shoulder like, oh, what's that? Yeah, like, what's that? Yeah, yeah, is there room enough in here? My head's getting burned. Bruce Fernand house. So, yeah. so, uh, so anyway, so then the second time I did it, and, and the way she had me do this is she had me get up on the wall, wall walk up on the wall, my face facing the wall, and then start walking away from the wall. Yeah, yes. Okay? Yeah. And so the second time I did it, I did about one extra hand walk, and my left arm kind of went out, and I lost my balance, but I was completely upside down, and I came down with 100% of my body weight landing on the outside of that shoulder. Mm. And it, it, just, it just blew the AC joint away from the shoulder. So... That's that's how that happened, and so I continued to work out. Not while I was not there. at Sanium CrossFit. No, this was CrossFit Kona, and it wasn't their fault. Hey, <laughs> no, it's, it's not their not, fault. Not to you know, say that no, wouldn't happen. No, no, yeah. no, no, no that, it was not their fault at all. It, it was my fault. Being a sixty-one-year-old uh, man thinking he needs to walk on his hey, hands. Hey, but let's let's no, take no, a look at that. No, sixty-one no, no. years old walking on your hands. Uh, mm-hmm, yeah, that's mm-hmm. pretty good. That's a pretty good <laughs> measure there. Now I'm sixty-two, and there was handstand push-ups the other day. Yeah. Uh, skill. And Sam says, so he's, he's coaching the class. It's so funny. And 
he, he has a drawing out where your head is and your hands are the tripod explaining to everybody how that all works and mm -hmm. then let's go through modifications and he looks over at me he says and I just lost Dave in that <laughs> and I was looking at the, the board the monitors to figure out the Here's workout the... how am I going to get this workout done and all this and I'm looking at that while he's talking about this because I know that this 61 year old guy is never going to try to stand on his freaking hands again yeah. <laughs> so I don't need to be part of this so he said so what are you going to do during this Dave I says I'm going to walk around and make sure you're coaching right <laughs> <laughs> A little shadow, a little job shadow. Audit yeah. the coach. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, like so it. that's how the shoulder happened. And, and so when I got home, I uh, uh, while I was there, there was, there was a chiropractor that works out with us, and his nickname's Doc. And Doc immediately started taking care of me while I was there. I just nice. free, free gratis. He was just oh, that's awesome. Just immediately started taking care of me while I was there, and I kept going every day, and we just modify everything I could do. I could hardly move this arm. Mm -hmm. And so, did you? Um, sorry, did you go to the hospital or anything while? while not while I was over okay. there, because I didn't want to start all that over there. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm only there two weeks. You're just kind of managing the yeah, pain. Yeah, you know, and... you can you can just chew on a rock if it hurts for a couple of weeks yeah. and come home and do That's it. That's usually so. my prescription. So then, when I came home, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I came home and went to doctors and found out, and then, yeah, surgery is an option, but mm. uh, the recovery process of it is like they've said: in a perfect world, you would be out of work for about four months. In a non-perfect world, six months. Oh God! And as bad as I tore it or separate, because it is completely all the ligaments, tendons blown, gone. So as bad as it is, your overhead mobility would be very limited, you know. And so yeah. said, but it's the kind of injury where over time scar tissue will build up. You'll get strength back if you're careful not to fall on it you'll have better mobility but you'll always have discomfort and it'll be as time goes on if you choose not to do surgery it'll be how much discomfort do you want to put up with and when you hit that goal then you'll do surgery but if you don't then you just keep going with it so hmm. you guys and girls all knowing this have really helped me through at what I'm doing watching me because I try to do something stupid and and, and, and well, you're just ambitious. I'm just try, yeah. I'm, I'm impatient. Impatient. Yeah, yeah. Impatient. Well, and I identify like, with that. Oh my god. Thing. Okay, it's been six months. It should be better. But yeah. impatient. So but knowing your life story, <laughs> in the, just in this podcast, <laughs> this is uh, yeah. all par for course for for Dave. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, yeah. no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna and do what I want to do. I'm gonna try to get there. Try to shortcut some things. But I think that you've taken a better approach this yeah. time around, yes, which, I is, have. which yeah. has been. Yeah. Which has been good, and it's paid off, and you're now stringing together pull-ups. Yeah, so that was your this real quickly. Was, yeah, talk about this real well, quickly. I was I was just jacked this morning, man. I was stoked. That's why I put that post out there. Okay? Well, yeah, and what was yeah. that? What you well, did a workout? We, we went in this morning, uh, five thirty, and uh, uh, Yukari Martin and Don joined me at five thirty this morning, and we're looking at the workout, and Don's got. A shoulder ache, not a problem. She got a shoulder ache, and she was looking at the bear complex. She says, "Oh man, take a day off." Yeah, I, I don't think I can do this. I, I don't think I can do this. I said, "Well, that's not that's good. So, smart so move on she, her part." She she goes to some other website, and she found this partner workout. So we did it. Uh, uh, it was just three of us. And so we did it where like two people are one, and so you know you do half, and then I do the other half, and that kind of thing. So we Perfect. were doing that, and in it, what well, it was fourteen rounds, and in it was uh, seven pull-ups. Mm -hmm. So, since I've had this shoulder issue, I have been getting my kipping pull-ups back, and I've been working at the strict, uh, slowly. 
uh, using the band and trying negatives and all this stuff. And so uh, I thought, you know, I'm gonna the first round of seven. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it because I would get a couple of kips and then I would drop for fear that sure you don't want to do any that, damage. Right, right. Yeah. It's not hurting, but I don't want to push it. Mm-hmm. You know. And so I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna go for seven. So I knocked out the seven and I dropped down and it was like there was, there was nothing. Yeah. No pain. <laughs> no pain. No pain. Like, Holy shit. It was the, these, these were kipping? Yeah, kipping okay. pull-ups. So I did a total of seven of the 14 rounds in, in pull-ups, and I did five of them where I did the seven kipping pull-ups. In the, so in the middle of them, well, I, I did three rounds, and then I the next two rounds I did just hanging E-raise just mm-hmm. for a, you know, you need to back off. That's just great. Do yeah. hanging E-raise. It feels good. Just do hanging E-raise. And see if you can finish with a couple rounds of seven. So, so that's Perfect. what I did, and it worked, and it was great. And, that's amazing. Yeah. And I didn't know Don was taking pictures while I was doing that. You know, so. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so, it is, and that's uh, a that's a good true testament yeah. to being patient and getting some of that strength back. And yeah. Like I mean, I think in the post he said, I don't, I didn't think I'd ever gonna do pull-ups again. No, I, and I, now did, you're... I, uh, I did. I did. I, I yeah. When all this happened, and as Time's going on, and I'm six months into it. I'm like, I'm never gonna get on that pull-up bar again. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna be able to. That's a pretty defeating but I, feeling. I would just slow and slow, and you guys would help me, and it'd be slow, and you come over with bands, and Dave use a box, and I mean, all kinds of different modifications, and it's got it back to work. Yeah. Did you ever think that you were gonna be at this place in your life where you're, oh, you know, no. you're a grandparent, and you are, you and Ron are both. You know, CrossFitters, right? And you have CrossFitting Crushing kids, it. and yeah. now you have CrossFitting grandkids. Hell no, hell no. I figured yeah. by this point in my life, I, I never thought I'd see this point in my life. I figured I'd be dead by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably you know. should. <laughs> I mean, no, like a cat. You know, I mean, if you were in New Mexico, yeah. yeah. I mean, Floyd Chavez. <laughs> Floyd would have got. We're gonna look right. him up. I'm telling you. So no, no. So uh, no, I, I, I never did. I never did. And and. Uh, because of CrossFit's hat, CrossFit is a major part of my life mm-hmm. uh, and my family's as well. But to me, uh, personally, I can't speak for my family, it it guides my life. It, it yeah. really does. It guides my life. My outlook on life, how I treat people, what I do, what I say, what I eat, how I act, what it, it's all CrossFit guides that. Yeah. Have, have you been in any other sort of community in your life that has that has benefited you as positively as as no. a CrossFit no. as a CrossFit gym? No, never. Have. Not the barber community. No. Nothing, no. nothing else. No, the barber community and the hair show world and all that. It, it, it's 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 a satis, it's a satisfaction like a like like a like an actor. Okay, you come out, you had a hit movie, and you're doing right. great. Okay, people and like so you. Everybody you loves you. Okay, yeah. but as soon as that's run its course, you're you're, you're dirt. Right. Okay? And it doesn't. <laughs> On to the next. Does it run your life? Well, I don't know. I couldn't get another gig, so next thing you know, you know, now I'm crying and I'm owning the blues and I'm drinking myself to death and I'm yeah. doing drugs and now I got a problem. I didn't pay my taxes. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Tell somebody who cares. Right. Okay? So, but for me, no, you. I, that's not it. I mean, the 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 positive aspect of of what I get out of CrossFit from what I do and from the people I'm surrounded by and mm-hmm. their outlook, it's that's what drives me and that's what just puts me in the place I'm in. We're, we're all different people. We all come from different parts of the world, different mm-hmm. walks of life. We have our own life. We have our own likes and dislikes. 
but we all have one thing that we have passion for together and we can all relate to that and as a result we can all support each other for that no matter what it is yeah within that world no matter what it is you have a hundred percent of my support and i don't care what it is you say or do and I get that same feedback back, so it's good. And I can't think of any, my life. And I can't think of any other thing in the world that is as inclusive as CrossFit has been, uh, whether it be across political lines or uh, social 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 views and and things like that. Socioeconomic I mean, status. None yeah, of those it's... none of those things matter, right? Uh, you come into the community, and all really people care about is. Are you going to come in and put an effort? Yeah. And that right. effort doesn't have to be max, but as long as you're there, you're part of something and you're yeah. and you are you are part of the energy that bring that you are brought to each class. And I think that that you do a very good job of yes. those, you know, you're the you're the captain for that for that 5 a.m. I was going to say I think it, there's a, a few people that I really love being there, especially when we have new members come in that I know people will talk to them and you are one of them, Dave. It's People, new people come in and they'll be really timid, and you are right there next to them saying, Hey, my name's Dave, how are you? You know, and you talk to them and you make them feel a lot more welcome. And, and I, I certainly appreciate that as, as a coach because I would love to do that, but I also, you know, my focus is everywhere sure. as much sure. as it is on the new people and, and just making it, sure the class and is should going. Be. And so, it should be. Yeah, I think, I think it is one of the coolest things is to kind of watch, watch that happen with new members. And just all the members in general, you have, yeah. I think we talked about this today at the coaches meeting. That five a.m. class has gone from a regular five-person class to now. I mean, it's not uncommon to have fifteen people in no, that class. Sometimes we got eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah and that's and, and, and we're loving it. We're we're having fun. Absolutely, and I think a lot of that is honestly yeah. due to what you have helped create in that 5 well, a.m., which is very well, inclusive you. and very much a fun hey, place to be. Hey, we're the 5 a.m. All-Stars. I mean, yeah, that's right. These people, are, we're all world famous. They're that's all right. going to be world famous, yeah. man. And Cadman. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm surprised. I bet some of them have people come up to the store with sightings. Oh, that's yeah. a 5 a.m. All-Star. Check it out. <laughs> Look at that person. I've seen them on Facebook. See that body? I need to be a 5 a.m. All-Star. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's perfect advertising. Right. All right. <laughs> this, is a, this is a good segue because... Uh, at the beginning of this, I took a picture of you sipping on your. Oh, well, you weren't sipping on your drink at that point, but you're, we took a picture of you and put it on the athlete page. And I said, "Hey, we're live with Dave because we didn't know you were going to be on today. This is kind of a. Right. This was kind of a last minute. minute. You were last minute. That doesn't mean you're sub. You're no, definitely uh, someone hey, we wanted on. We dirt. asked you. I think we asked you a couple weeks ago, and, and just schedules yeah. didn't yeah. line up. The other 19 people couldn't make it, so, <laughs> right, right. so anyway, yeah, some of right. our you're number 20 right there. <laughs> some of our athletes have chimed in with questions they want to know about okay. about the Renegade. So this is from. Uh, this is from Shannon, okay? Uh, Shannon, Shannon McKibben, not your daughter. David has amazing energy. Did something inspire him to live such an uninhibited life? I no. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I guess I could say yes. Okay, my father probably. I didn't get to know my dad as an adult. Um, hmm. I was 21 years old when when. Uh, I was 21 years old when my dad took his life, and uh, I'm the one who found him. And uh, some, and my dad was a bit of an outlaw, but in a safe way and in a protective way, I guess, for our family. Mm-hmm. He grew up with 13 kids in a two-room adobe house, dirt poor, 
left home when he was 16, lied about his age, got in the Navy, and started his life. And, uh, and then always made sure that he was going to do whatever he had to do to make sure his family never experienced his background. Yeah. And uh, so he kind of instilled that in me at a young age. I saw it. He never told us. He never forced it. But I saw it. And so it kind of instilled into me. And then after uh, he did what he did, which was absolutely blew me out of the water because dad loved life. He loved his kids. He loved his grandkids. And this just caught us totally out of left field. And at that point when that happened, I made myself, I told myself, this is going to make you a stronger person. You can, be, you can be resentful. You can be pissed at the world. You can look for fault and blame people. Mm-hmm. Or you can take this by the balls and say, you know what? This is going to make me a stronger person. Yeah. That's a strong resolve, I think, to, view, to choose to view it that way. Yeah. I mean, that's a... So I've always, I've never been afraid to talk to people about it. Yeah. Tell people about it. And they ask, how's your dad die? I'll tell. You know, mm-hmm. have a heart attack? No. Yeah. So, um, and and that was 21 years old, and I can honestly say I became a stronger person, a more fearless person for life and survival and for my family. Uh, and so, I, I guess yes, that that's yeah. to answer Shannon's question. That kind of inspired you to, yeah, to... totally, totally. That's awesome. I think again that that attitude goes just beyond working out. It goes into every other aspect of, of mm-hmm. your life. You do that with your you do that with your children, you do it with your grandkids, and you do it with your personal relationships, you do it and you know, there isn't a time when I've talked to you where I haven't felt that you were listening. Yeah. And that that's super cool and, and it's just a, the genuine aspect of, of what you know, who you are, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, so other questions. Uh, this is, comes from uh, Jason Jamie have chimed in, and a couple of 5 a.m.ers. Jace, not Jamie. Jamie's not probably not going to come to a 5 a.m. Jace wants to know, most crazy or heroin encounter or experience on one of your bike trips? Context, oh, context yeah. a little bit while you think about this. Dave rides his bike. 362 days a year. I think I've only seen you drive a car. He drove his car here today, which was kind of shocking, but... He's he's a year-round biker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So read the question. My most hair-raising, heroin encounter, hair or like like crazy adventure on on a bike, I guess. Well, okay. Okay. or like things you've come across, on, like things you've come across on a bike trip, or like. Well, okay. So so I bike trip all over the damn place. You know, two years ago we went to Alaska up to the Arctic Ocean. My buddy wiped out on his bike in uh, in Haines Junction, Yukon. I had to. Three days in the hospital and had to pour. I remember the this. Home and all I, that that is a crazy okay. story. Yeah, yeah. Six, oh six, my gosh! Yeah. I finished the last eight days on myself, oh. like eleven thousand miles on that. Anyway, and uh, and then I do summer bike trips all over the place. But you know, I, one of the things I used to do when I was uh, heavy in the show circuit is you can go on my YouTube channel. It's uh, youtube.com backslash style renegade. And you can see a shitload of videos of me cutting hair in extreme places all over the world. We will link that. And uh, <laughs> all over the world. And, uh, uh, you know, I've, 
cut hair on the on the walls of the Grand Canyon. Uh, my brother and I had to help Rhonda get out and dangle her feet over the edge because she's scared of heights while I cut her hair and her hair's flowing in the wind. Uh, cut my brother's hair while he's hanging over the edge of, of Half Dome up in, in Yosemite. And we film it all, and I'm oh teaching God. and filming it all. I mean, That's amazing. I, well, this is funny because Jamie's question on top of that was craziest place you've ever cut someone's hair, okay. and now you're going into it. I'm okay. thinking she's so. talking about um, like location, not craziest place you've cut someone's hair. Hanging somebody else, like, no. like No, I just mean like on their body. Can you, <laughs> can you, can you take care of Lance's happy trail? <laughs> What's the craziest place? Someone's body. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. No, no, no. I don't want to know. I don't. Want to. If that's Jamie's question, okay. Look. Yeah, I'm not going to do a Brazilian wax. All right. I mean, my idea of that is, uh, you know, put duct tape on there, take it, heat to a blow dryer. When the glue there dries, rip it off. Oh Call God, it But no. But the craziest place I've cut hair, probably the craziest place I've cut hair. I've cut hair all over the damn place. But the craziest one I probably ever did is I was on a boat down in Mexico. And Shannon, Don, and I uh, hooked up with this group, and we went down into uh, the middle of the of the state of Baja. We smuggled in a ton of equipment, <laughs> product, shears, and we rebuilt. Here, kids, put this in your backpack. <laughs> and we and we went in and we rebuilt this beauty school that this girl had put together for girls there because they were being sexually abused by the drug cartel so bad. Oh wow! And they reached out to us. She somehow got a hold of us and reached out for help. So I spread news through my industry, raised a ton of money, got equipment companies to send a lot of equipment. Some smuggled it in the back door down there. Some of it we drove in on three different vans. We had to split up the border to get it across. And we and usually down. it's going the other way. Yeah, it's, not... usually, it's usually going. But if you take stuff into Mexico, they want you to pay a tariff at the at the front. If oh, it's, really? If it's if it's something you're selling or whatnot value, you have to pay money up front to get it in there. Really? The, their government wants their share. Oh yeah. Okay. So we knew that. So we rented three vans and we split up at the border to go in at different points of the Tijuana border at different points to see if we could all get through. And we did. We all got through. Nice. So anyway, while we're down there, there was a uh, um, this uh, this house of young men, like teenage boys, mm -hmm. that were basically homeless and nowhere to live. And they reached out to us and uh, asked. They had no food, and I said, "Well, this ocean is full of fish, and I love the fish. This ocean is full of fish. Somebody's got to have a boat. Let's go catch them a bunch of fish." Well, you needed to buy stuff. So, okay, fine, no problem. We got a shitload of money donated. We'll buy everything we need. Yeah. So somebody in that school knew somebody with a boat on his property. So we went over there and we shoved his boat right off the gravel <laughs> into the ocean. And we went out there. And so we went out there and caught a shitload of fish for these kids. And while we were out there, I took some cordless clippers with me and the camera. And we're busting across this choppy ass water, and I'm cutting this guy's hair, teaching it, and all this, and blasting no it. Yeah, and <laughs> fucked up was that hair? <laughs> oh man, it was wild, man. And I was like, I can't. And this boat's like a 21 foot panga. If you ever been to Mexico, know what a panga is. It's just an aluminum <laughs> bayliner out there. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's just aluminum boat. You know, there's five of us crammed on it, and all this fishing poles and shit, oh, and hair's God. flying. This crazy guy's trying to cut hair. I thought we were just fishing. <laughs> you get air all over the fish, right. and you know, and and I used the, I used the a clipper on that that Oster had introduced called the cordless Eon. It was brand new, 
they sold about 500,000 eons because of that video. Literally. No way. Literally. Did you get royalties? That's amazing. Nuts. They cut a different job. check. Part of my job was the social media yeah. sell, so oh, that was, it was wild. That oh clip just blew out of the water because of that. That's good. That, that's probably the crazy. I mean, that's I've cut it. That, that is an absolute you know, fantastic yeah, story. <laughs> I thought you dangling your wife over the, the yeah. Grand Canyon, oh hair blowing in the wind. Yeah. Like, that was a crazy <laughs> one. Cut hair up on the on the podium in the middle of Sturgis at the rally right there. We were oh, that's cool. Deal. We were doing a deal with Harley Davidson, the Clipper thing with Harley Davidson, and so I went down there and we filmed it. How many times have you been to Sturgis? Uh, three times. Three, three times. times. Yeah. Which what? When was this? Years? Oh, uh, well, yeah. The last time was the 75th anniversary. That's when I was cutting here in Sturgis. And uh, that was 19, uh, well, that was five years ago. The 80th anniversary is coming up this year. Oh, wow. Okay. And then I was there before that. Before that, I don't remember the year span. Yeah, like, like four or five years. I, yeah, it, that's enough. I, yeah. Year to year to Sturgis, forget no that. No kidding. Seen one tattoo, tit, you've seen them all. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's one question on there. Um, it's asking about the River House wads, and I don't know when we have one planned again. But tell us a little bit about that. You got a River House out on the Alsea? yes, we uh, we have a house on the Alsea River, and uh, there some some of the members have uh, come out there and done done the mystery wad. I guess we called it mm-hmm. out there. Didn't we, do, we did it twice. We did. We've done it. We've twice, done it twice. Right? We've done it yeah. twice out there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the last time we did a camp out, and we just come out there, and uh, you guys all put together a wad i just provide the spot and i gotta say we and, appreciate and that so much because it, it's it's less about the workout and a little bit more about just getting out there with the gym and having a lot of right. fun and and you provide the property and you're you're welcoming to us to let us come out and use your facilities and you have a cool little golf course out there yeah we got a little let us camp and little nine hole golf it. course there's a total of four acres and two houses and we've got about 400 feet of river frontage so yeah. those that have never done the mr wad if it comes up you're going to want to do it oh yeah because we always do wad up on dry land and then there's always another portion of it the water part where we're doing a complete wad in the river and uh and and this year if when we do this it should be a little bit different because i'm, I'm putting an entire rig set up over there yes oh, here it is it's gonna get real yeah we got tell, us, tell us about the about these plans what you're trying to do over there well the so be the first Alsea uh, CrossFit box. Right, right. It's not going to be a commercial project. I, I don't need another business, okay? I'm trying to slow down is what, what I'm trying to do, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not looking you for another You got too much business. momentum. Yeah, I'm not looking for another business. So my whole family's into CrossFit. Uh, even Rhonda does. She goes to another box, and she does a, it's called a Legends class. And then Don and Shannon and Ryan and Caden and now Shannon's old younger daughter Jamie's starting to want to come to the fight. Oh, that's awesome. She's starting to want to get that. into it. And that's she great. used to do gymnastic stuff. So the whole family's into it, and we have a little bit of stuff over there that some of you that have done the Mystery Water over there have seen. We have a little bit over there. But we're, I decided that, okay, the whole family's into this. Don really would like to have more over there. So mm-hmm. Don always wants more. Yeah, more. right. Well, and, she and just can never stop. You know, and, it, and it's one of my daughters, and you know, and it's the kids. What do the kids want, right? <laughs> so we're building this big-ass cover, and uh, I... I I found a, a complete rig set up from a cross, small CrossFit box in Salem that closed up. 
and I got an entire Rogue rig. It's huge. It's way more than I'm going to use. As a matter of fact, <laughs> for those that don't know what a spiel bar is, I'm donating a spiel bar to Sandy Am CrossFit because oh, there's three beautiful. on this, and I'm only going to use two, so we'll have a oh. spiel bar in there once we get, figure out where we're going to put it. Oh, yeah. It's we'll a pull-up bar. For those that don't know that, it's a pull-up bar. It's a whole a different thing. We can extend for the, the especially those of you that do the muscle-ups and all that's a whole different thing. So anyway, so we're going to build this over there and set this up and the whole bit. Awesome. And so when we do a mystery wide, we'll have an actual full rig with all the weights and plates that and this you is something throw that, that in there too. You know? This is something we need to get on right away. So if anyone out there is interested in, in being on the planning committee, we should try to we should do a planning let's, committee let's on this. Let's do a planning committee. Because we've always kind of planned it and kind of been a part of it. I think I want, I want to experience it. I want to be I want to be part of the you mystery. Want to be able to do I want to be part it. of the mystery. Yeah. Right. Uh, but that I mean that time that we've got to spend out there uh, the night before the mystery wad is just it's just so much fun. Again, everyone comes out there. They they bring they bring tents. They bring their campers, and um, it's it's super cool atmosphere, and. We do the beer mile the, yeah. the night before. I mean, it's really it's like I said, it's less about the workout and more just about the camaraderie our of it community. all. Yeah, I mean, just kind yeah. of like almost a reward for like, hey, you've done a lot of hard workouts with us. Come right. just hang out and we'll we'll sweat a little bit, but really it's just about having fun. Yeah. And honestly, it's a fond memory of going through that water. I remember Buddy and I just. You slowly walk into that river, and you're just going, ah, it's, real, it's, real, it's real cold. And then it gets really cold around the waist. And then... it's freaking up in your gut, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that was good, though, that swim to the bridge and back. And, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And there's nothing like, you know, underwater, you know, partner over oh, burpees, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trying to I'll, get you know, that I'll... breathing rhythm yeah. of not breathing when you're down in the burpee because yeah. you're you underwater. You come up and spit out a crawdad, you know. <laughs> yeah. That was a great time. Yeah. That was a great it's time. It's awesome. It's awesome. All right. Any questions? Any other questions that come up? I think up? those are all the, the only ones that have come up. Um, what do you, I mean, what do you see for your future? I mean, what do you, I mean, what do you, are oh, you just shit. kind of, what do you see envision like your life being like? Are you going to continue to, to cut hair? Are you going to continue, what do you, I mean, what do you want to do in your well, retirement I mean, days? Shit, I never know what my future is. I get up in the morning and look in the mirror and I see a reflection and I thank God, you know, Jesus, yeah. it's not a ghost standing there. So, <laughs> you know, I'm 62. I've been doing hair for 45 years. We've had the cutting room in Albany for 40 years. I just slowed down. Uh, Shannon went through, those of you that know Shannon know she's gone through this whole cancer thing for the last year and a half yeah. or about. And you weren't going to let that no, stop so, uh, her. When, uh, when we moved our Neither shop, she. Uh, when we moved our location because I accidentally sold my building, fucked up, so I accidentally sold my building. It wasn't a fuck up. It was a great thing. But that was an accident. Was trying to Whoops, sell it. sold my building. Didn't mean to do <laughs> accidentally. that. That's another Floyd Chavez story. <laughs> that, that'll, be another po- that'll be another podcast. That'll be another podcast. That whole, that whole thing. We could have six and, more podcasts. And, and that was actually one of the greatest things that happened to us in our, in our life. Well, that's good. So, but uh, anyway, so I, I only work three days, one week now, four days the next. And as time goes on, I'm 62. As time goes on, I'll... I'll you know, I might cut back the days more and more, but I'll, I will. Pro- in my profession, I can. We can do what we can do until we drop dead. You know. Yeah. That's R- true. Really. That's true. So you know, I might someday. I might be the ninety-four-year-old barber in town if I live that long. You yeah. Know? But uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll cut CrossFit, back. But know. I'll still. I'll always. I will always still do hair because I love the people. Mm-hmm. Love the interaction of the people. And uh, and and I hope to continue my physical health and the whole CrossFit culture and uh, somewhat paying attention to my eating habits. I mean, you know, I, I, I sway like everybody else does. Sure. And uh, 
you know, the doctor tells me not to drink, and I give him the finger. Yeah. You know, right. So what? I'm going to enjoy life. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy life. You yeah. know, if I'm going to die because of alcohol, well, I'm going to die anyway. Right. 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 I should right. be dead by now. Right? Yeah, That's what they're going to say. Oh, shit. You know? Yeah. But, well, the... uh, but no, I, I see my future as I, I, I will always continue to be, do hair. I'll always hope to be involved with my family. Mm-hmm. My kids and my grandkids are very important to me. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm involved in coaching the grandkids now through sports as they come through. And uh, and 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 be part of the community of Albany. As the grandkids get older and they're no longer wanting to hang around with Pappy anymore, that's fine. <laughs> and I know that's coming. And I don't blame them. You know, who wants yeah. to hang around with an old fart? So you I mean, know, I do. I'm I'm having a blast right now. I have not. <laughs> I haven't seen any signs those kids uh, shine away from you. But maybe you have. Yeah. Like no, they, no, I haven't. I haven't yet. You know, Howie's yeah. a biker chick. She, you know, she'll, she'll <laughs> she's if she's going to be in the biker world. And, yeah. you know, unfortunately. Not too many. But, not uh, too many grandpas do do the things that you do. Yeah, you know, that's for sure. And invite those international kind of, rock stars. Yeah. Invite their grandkids to do uh, the, the things you do. Also, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, pretty. Well, cool. I can say that the the you it definitely shows how much you love interacting with people. Not just being a barber, but like when you're in class and stuff. And it's it truly for me. It's it's one of the things I appreciate about you the most, and I love having you as a part of our community. Is that how? I mean, you. Just, I mean, you really do make it feel like a a loving community, and you're always there for people, no matter how well you know them or how how well you, maybe you don't know them yet. You're you want to get to know them, and I I certainly appreciate you you well, doing thank all you. that, thank you, and being a part of our our community. Well, and, I think and, we get more out of you than than probably we give to you. So well, I don't. Goes <laughs> both ways, you know. I just appreciate every time you just bitched every every workout. <laughs> Oh wait, we need to ask what's in what's in the bottles. What's what? in the bottles that you bring to the yes. workout? Mo- most of the time it is water. <laughs> most of but it all depends on what that workout's going to entail. And if I need a little painkiller throughout the workout, you know, ground up. Uh, everybody knows I'm there. really a gin drinker, and oh, what yeah, color is gin? Face. The same color as water. There so you, you know, that's true. I mean, that's true. So there are times when somebody's wanted a drink of the bottle, and I said, "No, no, you probably don't oh, want it today." It's but, too strong water for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Most of the time, it's water. Though. <laughs> this podcast is going to lead to so many different like questions oh, and spinoffs of things. I think it's going to be awesome. That's great. I think you might be uh, you might be on the horizon for for a part two. Yes, uh, you'll probably be our first return guest. <laughs> return, return guest. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people asking questions about your age and, and yes, uh, <laughs> undetermined like at this point. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. Yes. Hope, hopefully, you had a great time. Oh, it's been a blast. Good. Been I've a had a lot of fun. I, been this, great. I learned a lot. I learned so much. Yeah. I'm gonna change the way I do my life now. <laughs> what well, you need to? I, I mean, you know, <laughs> no kidding. If your life is under fire, under you better I'm spark that sucker up. I've been following right too many rules this entire time. <laughs> I need to bribe the DMV. I think is what I learned. <laughs> D- yes, I'm an inside man. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm gonna be sharing this with my grandkids. They're gonna get license oh, early. <laughs> That's right. They'll be driving Pappy around. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny because okay, in, in closing, I know we gotta wrap it up. Oh, you're- it, it, it's so funny. It's, when when I had uh, we lived here about probably ten years or so yeah it was about ten years and I get a thing in the mail that you got to come in and renew your license okay and so I go down there I go walking in I got a piece of mail you know to show the address and I got the driver's license so I go to the DMV office and this was when it was out there on the other side of the freeway where was it in the in the state police building I think that was in there. Oh, we weren't born yet. I didn't know that. I think that's where the DMV was back then. 
So I go over there and uh, I go walking in and, and uh, I tell the gal I, I need to renew my license. She says, okay. I says, I also, I need to change the date of birth. And she goes, what? Uh, I says, well, the, the date of birth is You wrong. guys, you should just say that they messed it up. Right. Well, I almost, I, I kind of did. I said, the date of birth is, is wrong there. I said, Here, here's my actual date of birth. And I had my social security card there, but doesn't have a date of birth on it, right? And she says, why is the date of birth wrong? And so I told her real quick, well, when I was 13 years old, my dad lied about the age, and he paid a DMV person 20 bucks to give me a license. So, you know, I need to change that now. And she says, well, I can't change it. Do you have a birth certificate? No, I did. the letter didn't say I needed a birth certificate. It said bring the driver's license and a piece of mail. So I got my driver's license and a piece of mail. She said, well, I'm not going to change it the birth certificate. And I said, well, why not? It's wrong. We need to change it. She says, I don't know if you're lying. I said, well, I'm not lying. I said, <laughs> no, I'm telling you I'm not I says, lying. I'm telling you. This is a, she said, well, you lied once. I says, I didn't lie. My dad lied. It wasn't me. <laughs> I just said there was he a smile it. on my face. She says, well, I can't change it without a birth certificate. So you're going to have to go get it. So I'm shit so i had to go home get never mind i'm not gonna do it yeah well i almost said screw it well now she wouldn't give me a license because i told her that and i, and I did because i said okay well we'll just do it and she wouldn't give me a license now so i had to go home get my purse to come down and finally get the date changed on it so. oh my god especially you drive away hey you don't have a license you can't you're straight like, come on just stop she's but i'll never forget the look on her face when she said well you lied once yeah i didn't lie once my dad did. my dad lies different yeah. the dv Knock it off. My I dad would, was yeah. the kind of guy, if you didn't do what he did, he kicked your ass. Well, I'm not going to argue with him. <laughs> and I'm 13 <laughs> thinking, I'm about to get people. to drive a car. Whenever a razor strap to me anywhere. You didn't get <laughs> That's amazing. Amazing. Well, Dave, thank you so much for coming on the Absolutely. podcast. This Thanks has been awesome, and I'm so glad that you were able to make it today. And we got another podcast out this week. Like it. Share it, and we got to put his YouTube channel on our on our thing. So make sure remind me to backslash style renegade. Any other, and he's also the owner of the cutting room. Yeah, Yeah. cutting room annex. We doing that anymore? No, not anymore. We we got a little bit of product in there, but it's a cutting room. And and, 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 where's it located? It's uh, in the Carriage House Plaza on eleven thirty five Sandy Am Road Southeast. Awesome. And uh, don't don't worry about rushing in and get a haircut. I'm not looking for new clothes. Yeah. <laughs> to get rid but of if you're looking for some hair product, 1821 man made. 1821 man. That's it right there. <laughs> oh my that's gosh, a whole we other story. How gosh, we have a lot of different things. <laughs> 1821 man made around the world is wild. I feel like we're gonna get a lot of um, barbers that are gonna about to follow our Instagram account. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> that's great. That'd be great. Anyone. That'd be good. Anyone's welcome. Good. But like, he's a true story. As as to it doesn't matter how old you are in your life like you at some point you can make a health decision mm, yeah. and completely reverse course and and see yeah magnificent gains yes absolutely yeah. just age is just a number i think it's, that's what you've always treated your life anyway and yeah. this is just this is just helped it right. <laughs> like right. age is like literally just a number literally he doesn't even remember i don't even know if we know what his true age yeah. is right now <laughs> or identity. so like him and trenton his grandson are the same age and probably the same maturity level and is fantastic and we love you for it um thank Been you a lot of fun yeah All right. All right. Tune in next week, guys. We'll have another podcast up for you. Have a good week.